0: In the month we celebrate the annual Great American Smokeout, vaping is in the news more than ever. Today on the Hero Podcast, we will explore the concerns and any benefits of electronic cigarette use. Good afternoon. I'm Colin Ward, Vice President of Population Health, and with me, as always, is Lyle Sheldon. Lyle, welcome.
1: Good afternoon.
0: So, Lyle, let's start with a personal question, if you don't mind here. Were you ever a smoker yourself?
1: So, everybody has a story about smoking, and my experience dated back to when I was 10 years old, and Danny Bergman and I went in his doghouse and both tried a cigarette. How'd that work out for you? That's the last time I smoked a cigarette, <laughs> so I don't think I finished one, and I've, I vowed I was never going to try it again. So, 52 years later, I'm still a, a non-smoker.
0: And uh, today, we're going to be joined by Dr. Venisha Amin and Dr. Zarana Patel. From our Hospitals Program, as well as Dr. Russ Moy, the Health Officer for Harford County and the Harford County Health Department. And we're going to talk about lung issues now occurring in people that vape, uh, both here in Maryland and across the nation.
1: So Colin, it'd be interesting. You may not know this, but actually over 1,600 cases of lung injury nationwide and more than 34 deaths as a result of what many suspect may be this onslaught of, of, of vaping.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to dive into that for sure. And and also, let's start maybe with Upper Chesapeake here. So, Lyle, we've been a, a leader, and you've really driven a lot of this change in the movement away from smoking and nicotine use. Uh, tell us about two important steps that the University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health took a few years ago related to smoking.
1: Well, it's hard to believe when you look back 20 or 30 or 40 years that individuals actually smoked on nursing units and in hospitals. And in 2000, when we opened up the campus here at Upper Chesapeake Medical Center in Bel Air we decided to make it a non-smoking campus. And then in 2015, we actually took it a step further and took the policy that we were not gonna hire smokers. So it's been over four years that we've taken the position that we don't hire smokers at University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health. And as far as I know, we're only one of two hospitals in the state of Maryland that has taken that position. We don't think it's a controversial position as a healthcare provider. And when you look at our vision statement, of creating the healthiest community in Maryland, we think that by taking this position of not hiring smokers, it's the right position to take.
0: So given that change, was there any pushback or what, what kind of impact have you seen from that change?
1: Interestingly enough, I've, I certainly thought there was going to be an editorial cartoon in our local paper with a cigarette sticking out of every body part of mine that you could put a cigarette in, uh, ingest. Uh, but did not receive really any pushback. Uh, what we have seen is that our health claims and our utilization for health benefits has actually decreased and, and stayed at a level that is very, very different than most other organizations, including health care providers. We've also worked with those team members that were smokers and uh, offer them opportunities for smoking cessation. And it's interesting. it's a It's an affidavit system because we can't test for smoking, but the number of team members that actually get a reduction in their health insurance premium as non-smokers, continues to go up, and those that are getting charged continues to go down uh, on that honor system. So you
0: would say that we've seen the the impact that you were looking for then? Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's then explore how electronic cigarette use intersects with traditional cigarettes and nicotine and so when we come back, we're going to be joined by Dr. Venisha Amin and Dr. Zarana Patel from our uh, hospitalist program to get specific about vaping-related lung injuries and understand about, more about the causes of these pulmonary problems. You're listening to the University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health Hero Podcast.
2: Are
3: you or someone you love experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis? The Klein Family Harford Crisis Center in Bel Air can help. With care available 24-7 in a comfortable and safe setting, our team of professionals are experts in helping you manage the struggles that often feel impossible. The Crisis Center's hotline is available day or night, and our mobile crisis team will come directly to you. Our 24-7 walk-in clinic for urgent care at 802 Baltimore Pike provides treatment with compassion and respect. Experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis is scary, but you're not alone. We are here to help. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or visit harfordcrisiscenter.org.
0: Welcome back to the Hero Podcast. I'm Colin Ward, and joining me now are Dr. Venetia Amin and Dr. Zarana Patel from the Upper Chesapeake Hospitalist Program. <clears throat> Thank you for joining us, doctors. So, Dr. Amin, as we get started, help us understand how the recent vaping related cases differ from lung problems associated with traditional cigarette smoking.
2: Well, you know what, Colin? To best answer this question, it, it's quite essential to kind of understand the mechanism of how vaping devices work. E-cigarettes essentially heat nicotine and other chemicals to create a water vapor, which is then subsequently inhaled. So per precedented research, we basically know that there's tobacco products, regular tobacco products have over 7,000 chemicals, and they're usually fairly toxic to the lungs. Nicotine is the primary chemical in e-cigarettes as well as regular cigarettes. And although nicotine is that primary chemical, the big thing we don't know is the precise chemical composition that the rest of these e-cigarettes may have?
0: So we don't so, know what else is in these e-cigarettes. Is yeah, the and
2: that's the big issue here. So this is precisely what makes vaping-related lung injury, in one way, very similar to, but in many ways, very different from traditional cigarette smoking. So although both are a form of chemical injury to the lungs. The chronicity of vaping-related e-cigarette use is different from traditional cigarette use. Vaping I'm sorry, re-
0: tell me, because I'm not that bright. Carnicity, that's a word I haven't heard before.
2: Yeah, so basically at what, like, you know, the time frame that the illness presents, Okay. right? So with vaping, it's presenting more acutely, like within months to years, right? Okay. Versus um, regular nicotine use or traditional tobacco use is taking more than years like at least maybe even decades so that's why vaping related nicotine use seems to present what we would call medically subacutely or acutely which means in a shorter frame of time meaning within months weeks Of initiation versus regular cigarette use um, related lung injury presents in a more chronic fashion ie after smoking for an X amount of years um, and smoking cigarettes can lead to these chronic illnesses such as COPD emphysema lung
4: cancer what have you
0: and so dr. Patel you know these are being classified as injuries and not Mm -hmm. illness Um, why is that
4: so to better understand this, let's go over a couple of the definitions. Okay. The way in the medical community we define illness is that it, you include both chronic as well as acute illnesses. Chronic illnesses have been around for longer. The patients have been suffering with those disease for longer. They're taking chronic medications for this hypertension, COPD, are just a couple of examples. I think Dr. Amin covered that uh, definition quite well.
0: Carnicity is Cronicity. the Carnicity. Okay, there you it. go. Got you got it. it. <laughs>
4: yeah. Now, acute means it's new. It's happening right now, which is what injury is relating to. It's that it is a new injury or a, uh, for lack of a better word, a insult to the body okay. that uh, has occurred like, A broken bone or a laceration, things like that. So this is
0: a traumatic event. Exactly.
4: So we're looking at a traumatic event for the lung from vaping. This, you can see this with uh, other chemical injuries such as uh, chemical burns, uh, toxic fume inhalation. We saw this quite a bit with Agent Orange, things like that. So that's the type of injuries that you're seeing right now. So now that we've defined illnesses versus injury, I can say that even though we're defining vaping lung injury, what I don't want people to mistake is that this is not going to turn into an illness. Enough time hasn't gone by for us to say that this is not going to turn into a chronic issue.
0: So these devices are so new, there just it, isn't the history for for being able to do the research. on. It. Exactly. Okay. We
4: don't know down the road, the injury could also result in an illness the, the way it did with certain chemical uh, inhalations it, during war times. You may see something very similar with vaping. We will find out as time goes on. I'm we're all hoping as a medical, community that this doesn't happen, but there's a good chance that it will.
0: Okay. Now, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, says that about 70% of of people that are presenting with these vaping-associated lung injuries are male and that the median age is about 24 years old. So why does this seem to impact, you know, young males?
2: Well, yeah, you're absolutely right, Colin. Um, The CDC's median age for vaping, yeah, indeed is 24. But we also have to remember 79% of these patients fall between the ages of 18 and 34. That, that's a starking number, 79%. Patient X that we saw in the hospital initially presented with nonspecific pneumonia-like symptoms, cough, congestion, GI issues. Initially, we worked this patient up for pneumonia treated with antibiotics, Subsequently, a patient came, I mean, he did improve, so the thought is, was this because the patient just didn't have his vaping device, or was it because we treated the pneumonia? Well, the thought is it was likely vaping because he came back within a couple months with the same course of symptoms. Vaping cessation was recommended at the time, and he hasn't returned. His symptoms improved. With that said, you know, patient X that we saw in the hospital not only presented with nonspecific symptoms, but was male, was within the age bracket of 18 and 34 years, and also utilized marijuana with this va- vaping device. Um, he aligned with all the commonalities mentioned by the CDC. So per the 2014 article that was launched by NIH, To answer your second question, why is it more prevalent in men? Well, women had a lower prevalence of traditional cigarette smoking rather than men. I would say that the CDC data with male prevalence is completely in line with the data we traditionally have seen of other tobacco products. There is no data to support brain development component at this time. Generally speaking, men just tend to use tobacco products at a higher rate as compared to their female counterparts. Such differences are multifactorial. There is limited data to support that it may be secondary to hormonal differences, cultural, as well as even behavioral differences that men and women have. Overall, though, nicotine is a highly addictive product that activates the reward pathway in the brain, more so in men versus women. Addiction overall to any product is a concern to healthcare providers nationwide.
0: So now you mentioned marijuana and I guess that is one of the questions about the role of marijuana and specifically the THC in these injuries. So what is THC specifically and and has the Centers for Disease Control been able to connect this in any way with these lung injury cases?
4: So first let's define uh, what THC stands for. THC is an abbreviation for tetrahydrocannabinol. Now, this is the active agent in marijuana. This is what gives you that high sensation. It, it, it's the one that has the behavioral component attached to it. Okay. So that's THC. Now, there have been re- many reported cases that CDC and FDA have linked to THC being used in vaping that has resulted in vaping lung injury. The numbers that have been thrown out is from 71% to 85% being the top most. But at the end of the day, let's not forget that all of these products still contain nicotine. At, we should not become complacent that, oh, if I don't use THC, I I'm not going to get vaping lung injury. That may not be true. We don't know if there is a single compound that's causing vaping lung injury. If we can't pinpoint that product, I would find it difficult to say, okay, if you avoid THC, you should be fine. That's not the case at this point.
0: So, But is there anything physiologically different about the way that uh, THC would be processed by the lungs in, in vaping as opposed to someone that's, that's smoking through a different mechanism of smoking marijuana?
4: Not necessarily. Now, could this be that because it's made in the streets, the composition is very different than the one that is being sold in stores? Of course. But we still can't say that. That's an interesting point. Uh So as with any kind of Mm -hmm.
0: substance abuser, you don't necessarily know what is in the the thing. So if you are making your homemade version Mm -hmm. of a vape pen for THC you may not be ingesting something with purity that's not going to impact your lungs is the problem. Is that right?
4: Exactly. And we saw the same thing with Crocodile. We saw this with synthetic marijuana. Anytime someone makes something at home and they, they are developing these diseases and things are just spiraling out of control, now we're seeing vaping lung injury with this. Would I say, okay, bu- use the store-bought ones? Absolutely not. Yes. But okay. most certainly avoid the ones that you buy off the streets or have been con- concocted in a home.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so now, Dr. Amin, what if anything does the research tell us about the effectiveness of e-cigarettes on the reduction of traditional smoking? Um, you know, have we traded one one bad for another bad in this case?
2: Well, that's a great question, and let's not forget e-cigarettes and cigarettes are they all contain nicotine. Nicotine alone carries many risk factors, especially to teens and young adults. As per the Surgeon General, nicotine, no matter what mode of delivery, has negative impact on teens and young adults. Adverse outcomes of nicotine include, but are not limited to, impaired decision-making capability, increased risk of addiction to other products, other chemicals, as uh, Dr. Patel mentioned, mood disorders, along with poor impulse control. So, although vaping nicotine products have been marketed by various companies as an aid to help quit smoking, e-cigarettes have not received FDA approval as a safe alternative. Furthermore, there's no statistically significant research to to support the effectiveness of e-cigarettes on the reduction of traditional smoking among youth. So, vaping just basically gained this immense momentum and Per the Surgeon General in 2015, e cigarette use basically skyrocketed by 900% in high school students. And 40% of these young e cigarette users had never smoked regular tobacco products or even used any other form of tobacco before.
0: So we've got a case of a tool that was built to help potentially help people. Uh, you know, stop traditional cigarette smoking that's now being used as, a, as an entree point in the smoking. Well,
2: that's a big thing, Colin. I mean, it was marketed by the company producing it as being safe. The FDA never really approved it as being safe.
0: Okay. So now th- given that, uh, you know, the benefits and the harm of vaping are uncertain. Would you recommend anyone using these products at all?
4: In short, absolutely not. Please, we beg of you as an entire medical community, please do not use this stuff. Now, we don't know what substance is resulting in vaping lung injury. Could it be THC? There has been uh, documentation thrown out that it could have been the vitamin E, it could be the nicotine, or any one of the 7,000 compounds that Dr. Amin mentioned. We just don't have enough information. Research is ongoing, but that does not mean we have an answer as of yet. Now, because of all of that, I would say just avoid vaping e-cigarettes as well as cigarettes at this time keep in mind, there is no safe tobacco product, whether it's vaping or e-cigarettes, which is what Dr. Amin stated as well. There is no safe modality of delivering nicotine at this time. That chemical in and of itself has effects on the human brain. Whether you're young, old, doesn't matter. Now, FDA has a list of approved medication that can help you stop smoking or using vaping. If you're still struggling with uh, vaping, there are certain types of uh, symptoms that you should look out for. N- let me list a few of them sure. off for you so that way you understand how vague this is cough shortness of breath, nausea, fevers, chills, chest pain, vomiting, abdominal pain, or diarrhea.
0: I think I've had all of those in exactly. the last Exactly,
4: <laughs> And you wanna know what? That patient X had all of those symptoms.
0: So it makes it hard for you then to figure out what is actually going wrong with that person.
4: Exactly, and you're doing multitude of st- tests before you figure out and consider that this is a vaping lung injury. You're not only looking at vaping lung injury, that is the diagnosis you come to when you've ruled out everything else. Given that, uh, Keeping that in mind, you're looking at a prolonged hospital stay because of vaping lung injury that we may come to that diagnosis after running a battery of tests. You may need to come back in if you develop fever again, and you're going to go through that same process again. So that's why both CDC and FDA have an excellent website for you to to help you stop smoking. What I would recommend is that patients reach out to their primary care doctors or visit one of these websites. Or you know what? Do both. At this point, all we can say is stay safe and stay healthy.
0: And don't vape at this point is your advice. Exactly. Amen. All right, well thank you Dr. Mm -hmm. Amin and thank you Dr. Patel from the Upper Chesapeake Hospitals Program. I'm your host, Colin Ward, and we have heard now about the lung injuries beginning to become more commonplace with people using e-cigarettes. And we're now pleased to have Dr. Russ Moy join us uh, to get a better understanding of how public health officials view the issue. Welcome Dr. Moy.
5: Great being here.
0: So Dr. Moy, you know, the the issue with vaping and and as it relates to lung injuries what do we know about the use of vaping in harford county and specifically within high school kids
5: so uh, within harford county first we really have some recent national data um the national youth tobacco survey 2018 data shows that 20.8 percent of high school students vape and that's a 78 percent increase from the prior year so that's
0: one in five kids are vaping that's now. one
5: in five in 2018 and now the year-to-date 2019 data just came out last month and the preliminary data shows 27.5% of high school kids. So So more than one in four. That's one in four.
0: (laughs) I'm doing well on my math but it's going the wrong way. Absolutely.
5: Uh, Unfortunately the the Maryland uh, data is not yet quite ready for 2018 but looking at the 2016 uh, Maryland data it shows that Harford County had a seven percent higher youth vaping rate than the state as a whole and a 27 percent higher youth vaping rate than the nation as a whole. So, it's not that good here.
0: So, part of the challenge here is that, according to the NIH, about two-thirds of, of teenagers think that e-cigarettes only contain flavoring. They don't believe there's anything else harmful in there. What, what do we know is actually in these e-cigarettes?
5: So, interestingly, um, until a brand is of e-cigarette is FDA-approved, manufacturers actually don't have to report the ingredients in their e-cigarettes,
0: So wait a minute, so they can, uh, an e-cigarette can be on the market and available for purchase and not be FDA approved?
5: That's correct. Now, the existing brands have until um, May of 2020 to submit their e-cigarettes to the FDA to be approved, but they've got the next several months where nobody knows really what's in those uh, cigarettes. However, um, what the National Institute on Drug Abuse says is that e-cigarettes can contain nicotine flavorings. And then a bunch of uh, toxic chemicals such as lead, chromium, cadmium, and other carcinogens. So it could be bad.
0: So just not even knowing is reason enough but uh, per- potentially not enough to make people stop and think before they purchase.
5: That, that's unfortunately true.
0: And so in terms of state regulations, can you, can you buy a flavored vape pen now or, or are those flavorings being outlawed? So,
5: so the way it works is— that the U.S. FDA was given authority to regulate e-cigarettes and other vaping products back in 2016, um, but that process only required the FDA approve new vaping products. That's why these existing products uh, on the market, like Juul, which has 70% of the e-cigarette market, has until next year to become FDA approved. In this state, in Maryland, though, there's no statewide vaping ban, um, except for mark commuter trains, uh, all other indoor places, including bars and restaurants that are subject to the Maryland Clean Indoor Air Act, are exempt from the state's vaping regulations.
0: So that means you can vape indoors. That's, that's correct. You can't smoke a cigarette indoors, but you can that's, vape That's vape. right.
5: That's exactly right. Now, there are some jurisdictions in Maryland, um, uh, Howard County, Montgomery County, Prince George's County, that have passed some local vaping bans that might... Uh, Uh, restricted some but there's no statewide ban and nothing in harford county
0: now there is a new statewide task force that the comptroller is is launching so tell us a little bit about that task force and what its aims are
5: so back in october uh, comptroller peter franchos announced that he's creating a task force uh, to look at the public health and safety implications of electronic smoking devices so this task force will be focused on at least three objectives first just to better understand the nature and characteristics of e-cigarettes Secondly, to get a better picture of the public health and safety implications of e-cigarettes and the commercial effects of product sales in Maryland. And then finally, to make recommendations for stronger laws to to ensure that consumers, especially young people, are protected.
0: And so that may be where if there were to be a state ban, it would come as a result of this task force? That's correct. Okay. I guess one of the big questions is, are there enough... um, you know, scientific studies that talk about the impacts of, of vaping and, and the, whether there are benefits in terms of transitioning people or not.
5: So <clears throat> a couple things. Uh, first, about vaping cessation. So the science on vaping cessation hasn't yet caught up um, with this big increase in, in vaping. So it's not yet clear if the traditional smoke cessation methods are going to, going, going to work with vaping. Um, so I should just notice, but folks still need help. Um, so the Maryland Department of Health has a couple of websites. One is smokingstopshere.com, which talks about the Maryland Tobacco Quit Line, which is 1-800-QUIT-NOW. And the second site is no tobacco sales to minors. Uh, and that gives more information about the Maryland Tobacco 21 law, which t- just took effect in October, uh, making retail sales of tobacco products, including e-cigarettes to people under the age of 21, uh, illegal. So that's about smoking and vaping cessation products. But I think were you asking um more about this controversy about is vaping um possibly helpful for some and
0: yeah so I guess the the question in my mind is at some point it it appeared that the use of electronic cigarettes were actually providing benefit to long-time traditional cigarette smokers and helping wean them off and then at some point that benefit was replaced with a new danger which are these lung injuries that we've heard about
5: right So so this is pretty interesting um, because worldwide, there's actually a controversy about uh, is vaping, everybody says vaping, they know it's harmful, but maybe it's less harmful than smoking uh, traditional cigarettes. So in the United States, the general um, uh, push is that vaping is just not good, period. But in other places like England, so they have an entity called Public Health England which is the, sort of like the CDC over in England, Okay, they are actually pushing hard that vaping uh, is a harm reduction uh, tool to help, to help folks quit smoking. Here's the difference. The difference is who's your target audience? If your target audience are, are, are non-smokers, and that's the target audience that the CDC has here, it's never good to vape, it's never good to smoke. But if your current audience are smokers, and in this country it's about 15% of folks well, then maybe for them it might be helpful uh, as a harm reduction tool, um, but it's not FDA-approved as a smoking cessation or a vaping cessation device.
0: Okay, so if I'm following you then, what it says, it, what, what the, the public health thought here is, if you're already smoking, vaping may be a beneficial way to help you wean off, maybe.
5: Maybe, but not, there's, no, not definitively. there's no proven evidence on that.
0: Okay, but if you are a never smoker... Jumping into vaping is bad.
5: That's absolutely right. And then the one last wrinkle is what's happened over the last couple of months with regard to these lung injury uh, cases. Until they can figure out what is the causative agent for those uh, cases, what we're saying, and, and we have a local health improvement coalition in Harford County, and what we've issued a position statement, and what we're saying is, until they figure out that causative agent, nobody should vape, and of course, nobody should smoke.
0: And so I guess you know there are parents of teenagers that are trying to struggle with how to have the conversation with those right. those kids now and, and other people. So what what is the advice to parents or school administrators or coaches? So
5: so, so so the first thing I would suggest is for parents to not be confused about this back and forth debate about e-cigarettes potential usefulness as a tobacco quit aid. Um For teens, they should never smoke. There should be no discussion about teens ever smoking, uh, partly because nicotine is very addictive, so it can create a whole generation of young people who are going to be addicted, but their brains are developing still and it harms the brain development so teens should never smoke so and
0: so teens that start with vaping are more likely to move on to cigarette smoking
5: right but even just vaping 98 uh, of of the vaping instruments even though the FDA has not yet regulated all of them but they say 98 percent has nicotine okay so if you got nicotine in it you really should not be vaping and you shouldn't be vaping uh, period if you're a teen but but the second thing we suggest is that parents should talk to kids about um, the, the risk of, of vaping. So, to do that, you gotta figure out why do kids vape in the first place? So they vape because their friends do it, because of the flavorings, the flavorings are enticing, and then they're also confused about vaping being safe, and it's not, and that's what parents should focus in on, is talk with your kids about the risks of, of vaping. Uh, finally, if parents need even more help, they should think about maybe going to the child's doctor because the doctor can maybe talk more confidentially with the, with the child and provide some expert input on the risks of, of vaping. Um, one other thought. So in Harford County, we have our local health improvement coalition, as chaired by Vicki Banz over at the, at the hospital. We issued this position statement on vaping, and we say that because the rapid rise in e-cigarettes has largely been the result of aggressive social media marketing aimed at kids, One of the interventions we're promoting is media literacy awareness. That's something we can possibly share through the schools. So media literacy is a set of skills that can help change attitudes, teach people how media messages are designed to influence them and contribute to changing long-term behavior. This type of counter-marketing has been used with some success with anti-tobacco marketing in the past, Mm -hmm. and we hope it will help with anti-vaping marketing in the future.
0: All right, Dr. Russ Moy, the Hartford County Health Officer, thank you very much for your time.
5: Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Time now for an update on our Healthcare-Associated Infection Composite Score with Colleen Clay, the Director of Infection Prevention. Colleen, we're about a quarter of the way through the year, so how are we doing on our scores?
3: We're doing great, Colin. Currently, we have 10 healthcare-associated infections in our composite score. And as you know, our goal at the end of the year is to be at less than 16. But we've got a lot of great successes going on on both of our campuses.
0: So where are we performing well?
3: Well, Harford Memorial Hospital has gone 650 days with zero healthcare-associated clostridium difficile infections. That's incredible. And at UCMC, we are eight months with zero surgical site infections associated with colon surgeries. That's great stuff, Colin.
0: So what message do you have for our team to help us on the journey to zero harm?
3: I think our team needs to believe in 16, and we need to be relentless and stay ahead of these germs. I think my message to them is focus on proper practices, isolation practices, um, good management of urinary catheters, central lines, put them in properly, take good care of them when they're in, and get them out when they're no longer needed. And at the end of the day, the most important thing that I can stress is making sure we practice good hand hygiene. Cleansing in and cleansing out is the most important thing to prevent the spread of these infections to our patients, but it also is going to keep our team members safe from germs as well.
0: Colleen, thank you for the update.
3: Thank you, Colin.
0: Welcome back to the Hero Podcast, joined again by Lyle Sheldon, the Upper Chesapeake Chief Executive Officer. And Lyle, November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month, and the Great American Smokeout is on November 21st. And as you think about what we've done here at Upper Chesapeake related to tobacco use and cigarette use, how do you see our policies evolving into the future? You you mentioned earlier that we're having fewer and fewer Mm -hmm. people smoke. What about vaping? What about other tobacco products?
1: As we've been on this journey for so many years, uh, taking a position on on smoking cessation, that will continue. And as our policies evolve and as vaping and electronic or electric cigarettes have come into place, e-cigarettes, that also is included in our policy. And again, it comes back to our vision at University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health about creating the healthiest community in Maryland. And certainly one way we think we can do that is to continue to promote non-smoking and have these uh, policies in place that we think are appropriate social policies as well.
0: Excellent. And so Lyle, it's, uh, you know, we're heading into the holiday season here, so we'd be remiss if we didn't mention this. You know, This is a time when most people gather with friends and family and, uh, and celebrate the holidays, and a lot of times you contemplate what you're grateful for, and so we want to give you a chance to tell us, what are you grateful for aside from appearing on Harford County's top number one podcast? What else are you grateful for?
1: I continue to be grateful for 32 years of service uh, to the Harford County community here at University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health, and the fact that we get to provide services for over 300,000 patients a year. And uh, that's a a wonderful opportunity for those of us in particular that live here in Harford County, and about 75% of our team members are Harford County residents. So I'm thankful that many of us are in the position of neighbors caring for neighbors.
0: Well, thanks again for joining us as we learn more about lung injuries associated with vaping. And thanks to our guests, Dr. Venisha Amin and Dr. Zorana Patel from Upper Chesapeake, as well as Dr. Russ Moy from the Hartford County Health Department. Our next episode will be released in December. For Lyle Sheldon, I'm Colin Ward, and we hope you'll join us in becoming a healthcare hero.